Good morning, church. And it's always great to see each one of you, and uh, may the Lord just bless you uh, for coming out to worship his name this morning. As we get started, like always, uh, find your message outline, and if you have a basket of pens underneath the chair in the aisle, uh, make sure someone in your aisle has a, a pen they can write with. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 26, or on your phone, and we'll be there in just a moment. You know, I think this video we just watched really asks a good question. Will you be that someone to help someone else hear about Jesus? Will you be that someone? And over the past two weeks, we've been talking about our mission as a church, which is to share Jesus with our city and with our world. And I'm going to talk about sharing Jesus with our nation this morning. Today, I want to talk with you about what it takes, what it really takes to share Jesus in a way that will truly impact our city our nation, and our world. And that one thing is something far beyond what we do as current ministries, outreach ministries, to share Jesus. That one thing is something beyond the new churches that we start locally and globally. That one thing is beyond everything that we do to share Jesus. Today I want to share with you the one thing. The one thing that has to happen if you and I are going to help others come to know the love and the grace and the acceptance and the forgiveness and the gift of eternal life that only comes through Jesus Christ. As we begin, take a look at this. There is one thing, just one, that you and I must do before we can impact our nation with the message of Jesus Christ. Now, to help us understand what that one thing is, I want us to begin by looking at a scripture from Genesis chapter 26, first book in the Bible. And this scripture is all about water wells. And as we read this scripture, you're going to wonder, Pastor, where are you going with this? But I want you just to hang on with me for a minute, and I promise you, it'll become extremely clear. The Bible says this, Genesis 26, verse 18, Then Isaac dug again the wells of water, which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. And why did he do that? For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. So Abraham dug all of these wells. They got all stopped up, and here come, comes Isaac and his generation, his clan, and he has to redig those wells because the water is no longer flowing. So this morning, I want to talk with you about one single thing. Here's it. Dig it. Dig it. Turn to somebody and say, dig it. <laughs> Just dig it. All right? Now, when you came in this morning, I gave each one of you a spoon. You got your spoon? Everybody got your spoon? All right, hold it up. All right? Good. Got your spoon. I want that spoon to serve as a symbol of something I want you to leave this place and do today. A very simple symbol. But that spoon is pretty small. In fact, I kind of want you to see this shovel turn into something like a big shovel like this. All right? I want you to see that little spoon as, as, a, as a real shovel. Because today, I'm going to ask you to do some shoveling. Some shoveling that every single one of us need to do in our lives. I want you to dig it. And see your spoon as a shovel. Because I'm going to be asking you this morning to take your shovel and redig some wells. 
so that you can redig and reopen some wells so they can once again provide some living water for your life, for your family, and then for this nation. Now, the Bible tells us that the wells that were supposed to provide water to refresh and revitalize God's people had been filled up by the enemy of God's people, the Philistines. That meant there was no water for the next generation. So Abraham dug all of these wells, but now there's no water for Isaac and his generation. They'd been filled with dirt. Now, wells in that day, were well, they're hard to dig. I mean, we're talking about digging a well in the Middle Eastern hot desert with primitive tools. They had no tools like we've got today. So Abraham was willing to go to the work to dig all these wells, hot, hot desert, for him and his generation, but not only him. He was thinking about Isaac and the generations to come. Beyond Isaac, his grandson Jacob, he was thinking down the line about the generations to come. And so he was committed to provide living water for everybody that would come after him. The Bible says this in Proverbs, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That means that good men, good women of God leave an inheritance of a godly model for their kids, for their grandkids, for their, for their great-grandkids, and a godly, on-fire, on fire dynamic church for their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids that they can drink from, where they can come and find living water that only Jesus can provide. You see, you alone, I alone, we don't need just godly models ourselves and godly churches ourselves, but your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and others not even related to you, they need them too. And so that's why we need to be a church where each one of us is pursuing being a godly model. And that's why we as a church need to keep planting godly churches in other places in our nation for the generations to come. So the generations to come can have a place to find living water that only comes through Jesus Christ that you and I have already had an opportunity to find. Take a look at this, folks. We must leave an inheritance of a godly model and a godly church. Now, the wells that Abraham dug and left as an inheritance had been flowing water for over 100 years. 100 years, pumping water. Now, this well... Canyon Hills, this well that has been dug, we've been flowing the living water of Jesus for over 29 years, and next year we get to celebrate our 30th anniversary as a well dug to spread the living water of Jesus Christ. And some of you and some of your children have come to know Jesus Christ at this well, in this place. Even some of you have grandchildren who've, who've drank of the living water from this place. And God's dream is for this well, when it was dug, that this well would bless generation after generation. That this well, we would provide living water for the generations to come. But folks, now it's up to you and me. It's up to you and me to keep this well flowing. It's up to you and me to keep this well flowing like others had a well flowing for us that we could drink from. I don't know about, about all of you, but my parents dug a spiritual well that I was able to drink from. And some of the professors in the college that I went to had a spiritual well, and I could drink, and they would just counsel me and guide me. Maybe some of you have had that kind of a person in your life. 
Maybe you've had a, a parent or a pastor or a church that you could just drink in from and grow in Christ. But listen, no matter how good of a well was dug for you or you dig, there's an enemy. There's an enemy who will come and try to stop its water from flowing. The Bible says this, after Abraham died, the Philistines, their powerful enemy, what did they do? They came and they filled all of those wells that Abraham dug with dirt. Been flowing water for 100 years. Now they stopped. No, no water was coming. And the enemy did this because they thought, well, if we plug up all these wells, Isaac and his generation, they're going to have nothing to drink and they're going to have to leave the land and we get the land all back to ourselves. And that, all of that makes me wonder if the devil just sits on the sidelines at times waiting for grandmas and grandpas to die off before he strikes. Because they, like Abraham, are committed to God. Because they, like Abraham, are godly models that are providing the kind of leadership and living water that keeps a church godly. Because like Abraham, these grandmas and grandpas are daily drinking from Jesus and the water that he's providing but when they die off, I think that's when the enemy, the devil, starts to pour dirt into the well that we've dug. I think that's when he tries to muddy up our beliefs. Oh, that's just kind of strong. I mean, the Bible puts that. That's really hard. Tries to muddy up our beliefs, saying we don't, we don't need to follow that. We don't need to believe that anymore. Tries to muddy up our commitment to worship, our commitment to use our gifts to serve God and others in some way. Our commitment to, to give the tithes and the first fruits and the offerings that God calls us to bring into his house. He tries to tempt us to just muddy up our waters. But listen close now. I'm here to declare to you today that I'm determined that our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids will drink from the same well that we drank from. That is the well of Jesus Christ, the living water, who is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And all of God's church said, amen. Amen. We're going to keep the water flowing in this place. I'm here to declare to you today that we're not going to muddy up the message of Jesus Christ. I'm here to declare that we're going to keep the living water flowing from this well until Jesus comes again. Because the next generation needs what they need more than anything else that we could ever offer them as parents or grandparents in life. They need a drink from the living water. Amen? The Bible says when they get a drink from the living water, they will never, ever thirst again. And for that to happen, you and I, we need to be like Isaac. We need to be willing to do the work of digging the dirt out of the well. We need to be willing to do the work of keeping our well clean. Not only the well of this church, but our personal well. We've got to dig out the dirt and keep it clean. So that the living water of Jesus can flow to this generation and the next and the next until Jesus comes. But I'm, it saddens my heart. So many churches, so many of the wells that have been dug that used to provide living water. The only water that quenches thirst and gives life. So many of those churches today are clogged up. The water has stopped flowing. They've allowed the enemy to fill them with dirt. In so many of those churches, about the only things that are happening are religious rituals, fellowship dinners, friendship circles. The word of God's not being preached in those places, and so very few are repenting and turning of their sin, return, <coughs> returning to God, repenting and returning to God. 
So very few are, are giving their lives to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Because the word of God is not being preached, so very few are following his word and his ways. And in those places, marriages aren't being healed. Addictions aren't being overcome. The mission of making more and better disciples is not being pursued. The, the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome, to endure, or to be enabled is not even being sought. So listen close. To not become like one of those churches, one of those wells today, we've got to get our shovel out and we've got to dig out the dirt. Amen? Amen. We've got to dig it out. Whatever dirt the enemy tries to take, get us to take into our lives or into this church, we've got to say, no, devil, I'm keeping my well clean. No, devil, we're keeping this, this church, this well clean. No, devil, in my life, in this church, the living water is going to flow. We're going to love the word of God. We're going to teach the word of God. And we're going to make sure that we live in line with the word of God. We're not going to be hypocrites. We're going to walk our talk. Amen, church? Amen. We're going to walk our talk. And so when we come to church, we're going to praise and we're going to worship God with energy. We're going to sing and praise God with energy. We're going to lift our hands to God within worship. We're going to clap our hands in agreement to the truth that we're singing. We're going to leave this church, and we're going to love the word of God. We're going to follow his word in all of his ways all week long, not just on Sunday, but on Monday. Amen? Every day, we're going to follow his word and his ways. Now, when we're tempted to let some dirt in, we're going to say, no way, devil. <laughs> I got a shovel. I got a shovel. As for me and my house, me and my well, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to shovel out the dirt. And then we're going to call on the power of God's Holy Spirit. We're going to start shoveling. And then we're going to shovel and say, devil, I resist you in the name of Jesus. I resist your spirit of lust you're trying to pour into my well your spirit of promiscuity, your spirit of immodesty, your spirit of adultery, your spirit of drunkenness, your, your spirit of addiction, your spirit of gossip, your spirit of, of lying and slander and greed and anger. In the name of Jesus, devil, be gone. And that's how we shovel out the dirt. Church, look at this. We got to dig. We've got to all become diggers. We've got to unplug our wells. We've got to keep our wells clean for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the past, many of our founding fathers of our nation, they dug spiritual wells that caused our nation to have access to Jesus, the living water. And because they did that, many of their kids and some of their grandkids came to know and follow Jesus. And because they did that, God's word and his ways and churches in this nation once flourished. But somehow along the way, some of them allowed those wells to be filled with dirt and little by little until those wells clogged up and dried up and the living water no longer flows in many of those homes and many of those churches. And because they let the dirt in, fewer and fewer in each generation tasted the living water that comes only from Jesus. And so today, as you know, our, our nation's in danger. Our churches in our nation are in danger. Once again, we need to become diggers. We need to be diggers like Abraham who worked and was willing to work to leave an inheritance for the next generation. 
We need to be like Isaac when he saw the dirt in the wells. He was willing to do the work to redig the wells so the water could flow for the next generation. You got to become diggers. And so today I felt my, my God calling me to call you out and to ask you to dig, to look at your life, to look at your well, and to dig if there's any dirt in there, to just simply dig it out. Now, somebody dug a well for you, or probably you wouldn't be here today. And as I mentioned before, my parents dug a spiritual well. My pastor I grew up under dug a spiritual well. There was a spiritual well of a church that I attended. There was a Youth for Christ director that poured into my life. Maybe you had a parent. Maybe you had a grandparent. Maybe you had a friend that, that dug a spiritual well for you. And because of that, you got to taste the living water of Jesus, his love, his forgiveness, his acceptance into his family. You began to learn that he's giving you a gift of life in heaven that alone only he can give. So now it's time for you and for me to dig for the next generation, to keep your well clean for the next generation, to keep the living water flowing out of your well so they too can taste and see that the Lord is good and that he has a good plan for their lives. You see, I want my children and I want my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren to have a well that they can come to and that they can drink from. I want to be that well that they can come to, they can drink from. I want my son, Scott and Cheryl. I want my daughter, Sherry and BJ. My daughter, Leanne and Nathaniel, to, to see dad as a well that they can drink from. I want my granddaughters, Aurora and Mackenzie, my grandsons, Bruce and Wade, and, and now little Deacon, nine months old, ten months old. I want to be a well that they can drink from. And when they get near me, they see nothing but the purity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? God is calling me, and I think he's calling you to be that kind of well for the next generation. So listen really close. Some of you have let the enemy fill your well with some kind of dirt. And now your faith in God and your walk with God is, is not what it used to be, what it once was. And now your walk with God is, is like muddy water, not clean water. So God has called me to tell you this morning, it's time to start shoveling the dirt out of your life. And I'm calling you to pick up your shovels and dig, and really dig. You see, whether or not you and your family spends eternity in heaven depends on your willingness to dig. It depends on your willingness to shovel the sin, the dirt, out of your life, out of your personal well. So listen close. There is a heaven, and there is a hell. And you and your family will spend eternity in one of those two places. And the kind of well that you are, filled with dirt or one flowing with living water, is going to impact where those who follow you, the next generation, where they will spend eternity. What I'm saying to you today is the most important thing I believe you need to hear. Shovel the sin out of your well so the living water can flow. Get it out. 
Maybe you've been dealing with something for a long time and nobody else knows about it, but now's the time to take the shovel and shovel it out. To let it go. You see, you can't live with one foot in heaven and one foot in hell and end up in heaven. Listen to that. You can't live with one foot in heaven and one foot in hell and still end up in heaven. You're either hot for the things of God or you're not. And God says, I, if you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Well, when you throw dirt on any fire, it causes a fire to go out. And so maybe that's why you're not hot for the things of God like maybe you once were. Because your fire has cooled or gone out because you've been allowing dirt to be thrown into your well or thrown into your fire. So God is wanting me to share this morning, get it out. Shovel it out. Take that spoon home and let it be a symbol. Put it somewhere where you'll see it and just say, I've got to shovel this out. I want to share with you two things you can do to get the dirt out of your life. Number one, write this down. First of all, redig the well of worship. Redig the well of worship. Whenever you worship God in private, at home, or in public, here at church, the dirt has to leave. When you truly worship God, the dirt can't stay. The enemy can't stay. It has to leave. When you pray and sing praises to God, you're declaring the truth of the word of God, and the enemy has to go. When you pray and you sing praises to God, you're responding to God from your heart and the tears begin to flow. I don't know about you, but I sing praises to God and I'm crying, all right? When you sing praises to God and, and, and you begin to confess your sin to God, His forgiveness begins to flow. But some of you are not bringing a gift of worship when you come to church. You're coming to get something from Him and He has a lot to give to you, but you're not bringing a gift of worship to Him. Some of you do not worship by lifting prayers or praise to him. Some of you don't worship him by actually opening your mouth and, and, and singing and giving songs of praise to him from your heart. Some of you don't worship by lifting your hands as an act of worship to the King of kings and Lord of lords and our God Almighty. Some of you do not worship by clapping your hands joyfully as we sing truth about who he is and what he has done. So here's my question. How were our city... How will our nation ever know how much we love God if we cannot, even in a safe place like this, bring him a gift of fervent, joyful worship? But when you and I begin to fervently worship, the word's going to get out that this church loves and worships God with their whole beings. And, and our city and our nation is going to take notice of this church family at 20400 Fairmont Connector in Yorba Linda. When we begin to rock this place with joyful, fervent, authentic, heartfelt worship for God, our city and our nation is going to hear. But do you know where it starts? With you and me. It starts with us parents and grandparents. You see, if your little kids and your preteen kids and your teenage kids and your adult kids find out that it's okay to really sing out and sing praises to God? If they find out by watching you and your model that it's okay to raise your hands in church and, and worship your God for all that he is, when they see that and, and they see that that's okay, they're going to follow your model. 
They're going to learn that, that they need to bring a gift of worship to God. And they need to worship God with their whole being, their heart, soul, mind, body. But if they see proud mom and proud daddy, just too proud to, oh, I, might, I don't know if anybody else is doing this or not, just standing there with hands at their side and never opening their voice to sing praise to God, they're going to follow that model. See you constantly checking your phone or your watch for what time it is? They're, they're going to follow that model. And you know what? They're watching you. I don't know if you were here a couple Sundays ago when I dedicated my grandson Wade to the Lord. But as I ask you all to stretch out your hands and pray over him, my oldest grandson, who, Bruce, who is also on the stage, he looked first at his mom, and then he looked at his dad, and he saw their hands lifted high in the air. And what's little Bruce do? And he puts his hand up in the air. He followed their model, and look how happy he was glad he was doing it. They're watching. And they will follow your model. Your kids are watching you, your grandkids. And so when you worship God in private or in public, your dirt has to leave. As you sing truth from the word of God, the devil and all that dirt has to go. But listen, when your kids learn to worship God from your model, their dirt has to go. It has to go as well. So to help you get the dirt out of your well, first of all, Go to the work to redig the well of worship. Go to the work. Get the dirt out and come and worship. And then second, redig the well of sacrifice. Write that down. When you make a sacrifice to follow God, your dirt has to leave. Listen, when you're tired, do you think pastors are never tired on Sundays? <laughs> when you're tired and, and it's a sacrifice to come praise and worship God, but you come and you give Him your best worship anyway, when you're confused and it's a sacrifice to pray and worship God, but you pray and fast and worship God and seek his direction anyway. When you're hurting over a loss in your life and it's a sacrifice to trust God's plan, but you trust his plan and keep following him anyway. When you make those kinds of sacrifices, you know what you're doing? You're shoveling the dirt out as fast as the enemy is trying to throw it into your life, into your well. The devil says, man, God understands. You've worked hard this week. Just stay in bed. Don't go to church. Just stay in bed. Devil says, God won't speak to you just because you fast. Man, don't torture yourself. The devil says, God doesn't care about you or he would not have let your loved one die. Leave that God. But you say, no, devil. I'm taking a sacrifice of praise to God this Sunday. No, devil, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to grab some of their great coffee. I'm going to take it into the sanctuary, and I'm, I'm going to sing, and I'm going to pray my heart out this Sunday. No, devil, I've been going through a lot of stuff, and I don't feel good, and I'm kind of tired, but I'm going, to, I'm going to trust my God no matter what's happening in my life because this life is not my home. Heaven is my home. I'm just passing through. I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to give my God my sacrifice of praise and worship. Folks, we're willing to sacrifice to get so many things in this life. But seldom are we willing to sacrifice to get the most important thing in life. And that's a personal, intimate, daily relationship with Jesus Christ where you're walking and you're talking together. You know him. He knows you. You hear his voice. He hears your voice. Jesus says, my sheep will hear my voice. You can hear the voice of God if you get close to him. 
And for that to happen, though, we have to be willing to make sacrifices to make sure He is the Savior and Lord of our lives. we got to make sacrifices to make sure that the sinful pleasures are not having their way in us, but purity instead is. We've got to make sacrifices to make sure that all the dirty sediment that's daily being shoved into our lives, we, sh- we shovel it out. Now, we certainly want our God to sacrifice for us. And remember, He did on the cross. And we want God to continually bless us. And He does all the time. Even though we often turn our backs on Him to gain pleasure for a moment with some kind of sin. And He sees us when we're about to sin. He has His Holy Spirit convict us and encourage us to not let the dirt in. But far too often we turn our backs on Him. And choose instead to enjoy some moment of sin. We turn our backs on Him instead of making a sacrifice to stay close to Him. And yet, you know, our awesome God, He still loves us. Still gives grace to us. Still gives mercy to us. And He hopes that one day we'll turn from our sin to Him. But I need to say this. There is a limit And that's another whole message for another day. But just let me say, don't keep testing God. Don't keep turning your back on God to continue in your sin. There is a limit. So to help get the dirt out of your well, redig the well of worship, redig the well of sacrifice. And folks, we've got to do this because in our nation right now, we have more dried up Christians than we have drenched in the Holy Spirit Christians. We have in our nation more corrupt Christians than we have consecrated, set-apart Christians. We have in our nation more sinful Christians than we have sanctified, set-apart for Jesus alone Christians. We have more compromising Christians than we have convicted Christians. We have more Christians looking today and say. Well, I used to be convicted about doing this, but it seems like a lot of other people in church are doing this, so I think it's okay to do this. My question is, when have you added something to your conviction list instead of crossing something off and saying, this isn't isn't right, this isn't acceptable and pleasing to God? God calls this sin. I got to put this on my list. I got to dig this dirt out of my well. We have have more playboys and playgirls in our nation than we have pure men and women of God. Folks, it's time to shovel out the dirt and make God first. It's time to say no to moments of sinful pleasure and instead yes to a life that really pleases your Savior. Take a look at this. That is the one thing that you and I need to do before we can impact our nation with the message of Jesus. We've got to dig it out. We've got to shovel the sin out of our personal well. Today, maybe there's some dirt that needs to be shoveled out of your well, out of your life. Maybe you need to, God to turn your spoon into a shovel due to the amount of dirt that's in your life. The one thing, the single most important thing that you can do today is to simply decide that you're going to dig the dirt out 
that you're going to dig it, that you're going to shovel it, that you can get it out of your life, whatever it is. So today, if God is convicting you about some dirt in your life, and I believe he's been speaking, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to make a sacrifice to show God that you're serious about getting the dirt out so his living water can flow into your well like never before and then flow out of you to others in our nation. I'm going to ask you to sacrifice your pride. I'm going to ask you to, in a moment, leave your seat and come to this altar and here, shovel out the dirt. Right here, right now, confess your dirt to God. To ask God to cleanse you and set you free from that dirt. And I don't care if it's a tiny speck of dirt or if it's years of a mountain load of dirt. I don't care. God doesn't care. Long-term dirt. I'm asking you to come dig it out and fully give your life to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Would you please stand with me? As the music plays, if God has brought something to your mind that you know is not right, you know it's sin, some dirt in your life, would you just step out of your seat from where you are? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I'm just going to ask you to come to this altar, and as you do, you're saying, God, I'm sacrificing. This is uncomfortable for me, but I'm sacrificing. I want you to know I'm serious. I know it's time to get it out, to shovel it out. So, God, I'm coming. You come, you confess it, you shovel it out, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to have you go back to your seats, and we'll sing one more song. But if God's been speaking to your heart about some dirt, come right now. Some music plays, come right now. this morning, I want you to know that God loves you. Far more than you know or understand, He loves you. And He's got a good plan for you. So as I pray this prayer, would you pray it after me in your heart? Just let Him have all of you. Would you pray in your heart, Father, I confess I've allowed dirt in my well. Today, as I stand here in your presence, I'm choosing to shovel it out. 
once and for all. Right now, I dig it out and I give it to you. And now I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill me completely. Every room of my heart, body, soul, mind. Fill me with the living water of Jesus Christ. Come, Spirit of God, and have your way in me. And in the days to come, I will worship you. I will make the necessary sacrifices to follow you. And I will follow you alone. Father, as we stand here in your presence, we just thank you for your great love, great mercy. We thank you for your forbearance, the way you put up with us when we've turned our backs on you. But God, we turn to you right here, right now. As we leave this place, we're leaving as different people that have been washed and cleansed, filled with your spirit. We've chosen to, to shovel out the dirt to make room for your Holy Spirit. Father, I would pray for every single one of us, those up front and those in their seats, God, that you just let your living water start to gush out of us every day, wherever we go. And whoever comes and needs a drink, they'll find from us refreshment because the living water of Jesus is flowing out of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Just help me praise clap while we go back to our seats. Let's just praise God. Amen. Amen. Amen.